in the holy sanctuary of the temple of our Lord Shushivata Gopinath. beautiful and sweet sound of the falling water. The sound vibration of the river, of the ocean, of the waterfall has a natural effect of calming the mind, relieving it of the tension and anxiety that is created through contact with disturbing sound vibrations throughout our day. In fact, in the Western cities, it is a very popular form of relaxation. To play the tapes, of water falling to soothe the mind of its pains and anxieties. The reason for this is that peace of mind comes into our life to the extent our lives, our consciousness is in harmonious connection to its nature. We find that wealthy people living in big cities throughout history have always been fond of having some resort or some retreat in the natural atmosphere of the country. It is said that the city is made by men, but the country is made by God. Recently, we were in some of the holy places of the Western religions. And there we saw beautiful, beautiful cathedrals. Some of them had taken many hundreds of years to build. And one of the most exalted features is the high, high domes 
over the main sanctuary of the temple. Large domes stretching out to the sky. And when you look up, the size is so much that you are filled with awe and reverence. You see, men know that that sense of awe and reverence, that sense of bringing the mind closer to God, is awakened by creating awesome structures. But then when we walked outside, we looked at the sky, the temple created directly and personally by Krishna with the moon and the stars beautiful colors so high so wide and yet when man makes it we are impressed but a beautiful sanctuary that God has created due to our foolishness. We do not even recognize it. We are not even thankful for it. Krishna consciousness means to always be conscious of Krishna everywhere and in everything and to keep one's mind always in harmony in connection to him so who would not say that the beautiful sound of these waterfalls creates such a peaceful and tranquil atmosphere of the mind. Because it brings our mind closer to the natural arrangement of God. And on the other side, we hear the honking of horns. And the revving of motors. It has an opposite effect. Because water purifies. And the fumes of this technological creation of man is simply polluting the atmosphere, both physically, mentally, and spiritually. Therefore, it is very much required that the temple of the Lord is regularly visited to reorient our consciousness to again come in connection with our true nature. But what makes this beautiful waterfall so sweet and so beautiful so charming to the heart 
is not simply the sound of the water, but the principle of for who the beautiful song of the water is being sung. It is being sung for Radha and Krishna. Therefore, it is kirtan. It is the constant kirtan of the glorification of God. In Vrindavan, everyone is immersed in the kirtan of the glorification of the Lord. It is described that when Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went to Vrindavan, when he was chanting, not only were all other human beings responding to his chanting, but the trees and the birds and the animals and even the creepers, the weeds and the grass, according to their own capacity, according to their own natural existence. They were all glorifying the holy name. They were all taking part in the divine kirtan of the holy name. So when we come together in the holy place of the Lord's temple, in the congregation of the holy people who are truly seeking to glorify God, to put themselves last and Krishna and all his creation first in their priorities of who to glorify. And when the mind hears the beautiful sound of Krishna Nam, it brings the mind to its spiritual source. To be in harmony with our eternal nature. The sound of the birds, the sound of the wind, the sound of the falling water, how much it pacifies our mind because it is bringing it closer to its physical nature. How much more so the sweet sound of the holy name, which evermore brings our mind closer to its eternal spiritual nature, Satchit Ananda, where there is only joy, where there is only peace. Therefore, even in the face of the inevitable, inevitable tragedies that come upon us in this world, Krishna is so kind that he provides us an access to his holy name if we simply 
call upon it. And even in that condition, we are in the natural setting of Vrindavan. We have discussed with exalted devotees who are sometimes put in the most undesirable conditions of life. Throughout the centuries, great devotees of the Lord under persecution have been imprisoned and tortured. And if you read their writings or hear their words under those extreme painful conditions, their consciousness is peaceful, calm, in the spiritual world because of their remembrance of the natural sound Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare And at the time of death, which is a great, which is a great, great trial, tribulation, it is described in the Bhagavatam what takes place at the time of death. For the body, it becomes hot like raging fire and cold like ice. And all of the different organs painfully, in a sudden condition, just start breaking down. to one who has lived an unnatural consciousness during life. This is the most painful and the most fearful experience. But for a devotee has, who has learned during life how to sink, seek refuge in the spiritual sound, of our essential nature, which is manifested through the holy name. Even the ordeal of death is a wonderful transcendental experience. So therefore, this must be our great priority in life. How to seek peace. How to speak ultimate shelter through the sound vibration of Krishna's name. And the greater charges they have shown us the way. Becoming to the holy places 
by associating with holy people. And in that atmosphere, to learn how to absorb our consciousness in the kirtan of the Lord. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare. Our Guru Maharaj would often say that those places where sinful activities like the brothel or the liquor house, they are in the mode of ignorance. And the city with all of its racing here and there, trying to get more money, more positioning. When we hear the sound of the honking of the horns, what that is, is the, the calling out of the consciousness being expressed through the sound where to get more money, how to have a better situation of eating, sleeping, mating, and defending at any cost. Therefore, the city is too much steeped in the mode of passion. And the country, the forest, the jungle, it is said to be in the mode of goodness, sattva-guna. But the temple of Sri Sri Radha Gopinath, the temple of the Lord, which is creating the atmosphere of Vrindavan, where everyone is simply sharing their lives for Krishna's sake. And everything is offering its existence for Krishna's pleasure. There is cooking for Krishna. There is music for Krishna. There are meetings, interactions for Krishna. There is so much work being done for Krishna. This is Vrindavan. And this atmosphere of the holy temple is neither in the mode of ignorance, passion, or goodness, but it is the spiritual world. So how important it is that each and every one of us make a special concentrated effort to help create an atmosphere of the spiritual world of Vrindavan within the Lord's temple. Through all of our senses, our ears, our eyes, our nose, 
our sense of taste. Every aspect of our existence should be transported to Krishna when we enter into the atmosphere of the Lord's home. And then, of course, we can take that state of consciousness with us wherever we go in this world. So this is the great gift of Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is the great gift of the great devotees of the Lord. Srila Prabhupada, <clears throat> he established over 100 temples throughout the world, <clears throat> which are like spiritual oasis in the deserts of material passion and ignorance, where people could take shelter of the beautiful sound vibration of Krishna. to establish the atmosphere of the spiritual world in the Western country, which is so much plagued by the hunger and thirst for material things. And of course, in every town and village, there should be such an oasis, such a sanctuary where people can come to refresh their consciousness, to come back to our natural, essential meditation on Krishna. And in that consciousness, wherever we go, we will simply see Krishna. Whatever we hear, we will simply hear Krishna. Every experience in our life will be an experience of the mercy of Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama. Thank you all for coming this evening. Is there any questions? We must first begin by learning how to experience with Krishna where he is personally manifesting himself. At the beginning stages, when we learn through the guidance of the great devotees of the Lord how to approach the beautiful murti, 
we can learn how to experience Krishna by meditating on his beautiful form. We can learn how to experience Krishna when in the presence of the kirtan we are chanting his name or when we are chanting japa we are directly experiencing the personality of Godhead through the name. When we come to the temple to meet saintly people we're directly experiencing the awareness of being reminded of Krishna. When we take prasad, not eat prasad, but when we honor prasad in the company of people who really have a state of reverence and devotion toward the holy prasad of the Lord, we can easily experience Krishna. Can we not? This is the beginning. Before you can even hope to experience Krishna in a world of passion and ignorance, <clears throat> first you have to learn to experience Krishna, where Krishna is most mercifully manifesting himself in your life. And to the extent you'd be, you develop an attachment to the holy murti of the Lord, to the association of the devotees, to the reading of the scripture, to the chanting of the holy name. To that extent, Krishna becomes first and foremost in our life. And when Krishna begins to capture our hearts right here and now, then it becomes little by little easier and easier and easier to remember Krishna, to experience Krishna in every aspect of our life. Hmm? I think that we are so advanced. Some people artificially and superficially think, if Krishna is everywhere, why do you go to the temple? If Krishna is everywhere, why do you die, bow down to the murti? If Krishna is everywhere, why do you have to chant the holy name? It is true that Krishna is everywhere. But to actually experience the ecstatic love of reciprocating with him everywhere is such an exalted and purified state of consciousness that we should frankly admit that we are not on that platform. Therefore, Krishna is so infinitely merciful and kind that he is coming to reveal himself in such a way that it's easy for us in our fallen condition to perfectly connect our consciousness in his remembrance. By associating devotees, coming to temple and chanting the holy names. Huh? Why be proud? and remain forever in darkness. One of the signs of one who is actually spiritual advanced is he becomes very humble. The more advanced you are, 
the more you become so humble that you feel how much I need to be with Krishna. The great devotees of the Lord, the really great devotees, they're chanting the holy names constantly. Srila Prabhupada used to tell us, he was most exalted, Paramhamsa, devotee of the Lord, that I am simply praying to Radha Krishna by chanting their names at every moment that I do not fall into Maya. So who are we to think that I am not in Maya? I do not need these external forms of religion. Huh? You need if a sick man is too proud to take medicine, he will remain sick forever. This is the medicine to bring us back to our natural, spiritually healthy condition where we can experience Krishna at all times, everywhere. And when we actually experience Krishna at all times, everywhere, the natural reaction is we're so filled with joyful love that we simply want to glorify him at every moment. So therefore in Krishna consciousness the ends are the means. Someone asked Srila Prabhupada, what do you expect to get out of all this chanting of Hare Krishna? You rise in the morning with all of your disciples and for two hours, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. And then after that, everyone comes to the temple beating drums and cymbals. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. And whatever everyone is doing, they're doing it for the sake of Krishna. Throughout the day, and at noon, and in the evening, coming together to chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare. What do you expect to get ultimately in the end out of all this chanting of Hare Krishna? Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Srila Prabhupada said, the ultimate goal of what we expect in the end of a whole lifetime of chanting is to chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. That's all. We're not expecting, ah, now I am so advanced, there is no need to chant. At the beginning we chant as medicine, but in the purified state, chanting the holy name is the spontaneous expression of the soul's love for God. Therefore, we never want to stop chanting Hare Krishna. Kirtaniya Sada Hari. The goal of life is with every breath, with every heartbeat, our consciousness is in the glorification of Krishna's name.
Did everyone hear that nice question? When there's so much suffering in this world, thousands of children dying of starvation every day, wars, earthquakes, what else? Millions of animals being slaughtered. How can we conceive of being happy in this world when all this is going on? To the extent you are aware of what is going on and you learn to truly feel sympathy and compassion for all those suffering and you do according to your capacity to alleviate that suffering, to that extent you will experience the inner joy of spiritual consciousness. Those who simply want to put a wall between themselves and the sufferings of this world, thinking by doing that I will find happiness. Their so-called joy is superficial and has no substance in the heart. It is just like a fleeting shadow of pleasure. But for those who face the reality of this world and understand that essentially all this suffering is due to not living in harmony with God, to forgetting our relationship with God, and actually feeling a grieving in our hearts of sorrow for those who are suffering due to forgetfulness of their spiritual source. Do you think that the wealthy people who are living in grand, grand material arrangements, they are any necessarily less suffering than the people dying in the streets? I was just in Israel and I was talking to some of the Jewish people and most of them, their fathers, their uncles, their mothers, their aunts, they were killed in the concentration camps of Nazi Germany. And they were, although they were being raped, they were being exploited, they were being tortured, they were being murdered, as they were going into the gas station, chambers, they were, many of them were thanking God and chanting his name. And the Christians, many of them, as they were being stoned to death in early Christianity and crucified, they were simply joyfully chanting the name of God. They're millions of times more at peace than the people persecuting them living in the big, big palaces. Huh? If we are conscious of our spiritual essence, in any situation in this material world, there will be peace and joy.
Inevitably, we were explaining the pains of dying. And each and every one of us, whatever our position is in this world, we have to meet that destiny. Huh? Krishna says in Gita, Janma Vyadi Dukkha Dosha Nudarshanam. A wise man knows that the real problems in this world are the pains of birth, old age, disease, and death. And no one, whatever your material circumstances or your power to control, no one is exempt from that suffering. Are they? Even if everything in this world was wonderful, there was no poverty, there was no earthquakes, there was no cow slaughter, still everyone would have to die and suffer. True? Therefore, in living or dying, to be in harmony with Krishna is the joy of the soul. Dukkha, para dukkha dukhi. It is said that a really great devotee of the Lord, such a person, his only suffering is to see others suffering. To the extent we empathize, we sympathize, and we feel a sense of compassion, and, we, and that motivates us to do something tangible in this world to help others who are suffering. To that extent, we come closer to God and feel the joy and the bliss of Krishna in that condition. But to the degree we want to ignore it, to the degree we become callous to the suffering of others and simply think of making ourselves happy, to that extent, you must suffer. <clears throat> suffer the limitations of the frailties of your own material existence. Is there any other questions? She prayed for distressful conditions because it brought her consciousness closer to Krishna. Huh? Amongst the great saints and sages, they consider Kali Yuga to be the most auspicious time in all of the seasons of creation. Because what was so difficult in previous ages to purify our consciousness. What took such a tremendous amount of sacrifice 
in the age of Kali Yuga has become so simple. But even this simple process is so difficult for us. What to speak of the difficult processes? Simply by taking shelter of Krishna's name. And simply by teaching others how to take shelter of Krishna's name. We can create a spiritual revolution in this world. But this is a revolution of the heart. It is not like the revolutions amongst the politicians. They may change the whole condition of the laws of a country and the proprietorship of the country, but the hearts remain the same, filled with greed and anxiety. But the spiritual revolution taking place through the chanting of the holy names is a revolution of the heart. The transformation of our consciousness to ever more be aware of its divine ecstatic source, Krishna. We are not these bodies. We are the, we are the eternal soul which is full of knowledge and full of bliss. That is our true heritage. Everyone in this world is very much anxious to go back to their roots, to prolong the duration of their heritage. If we do not marry within our caste, then what will happen to our caste? It will be mixed up and it will no longer exist. If we don't marry within our religion, what will happen with our religion? It will become extinct. If we don't preserve our traditions and cultures, then what will happen? They will become extinct. People are so much fearful and worried in all the different societies, all the different castes, all the different religions of the world to preserve their roots, their heritage. on the physical nature. But, what is our true heritage? The Bhagavatam explains, we are not these bodies. Janasya mohoya mahamameti. All these superficial temporary designations which have to do with our body have nothing to do with the soul. These types of protective devices are very good for creating a stable atmosphere within society. And therefore they are much needed. But, ultimately, in that stabilized atmosphere, if we do not utilize it to reunite with our true source, our true essence, that we are the eternal soul, we are part and parcel of Krishna, we are the eternal servant of Krishna. To establish that consciousness, 
beyond any external designations, then we are established in truth. And anything that is not in pursuance of God is an illusion. And suffering is due to being situated in the darkness of illusion. And real joy, real peace, whatever our physical situation may be, is being situated in the light of truth. Therefore, devotees are fearless. Whatever happens, as long as I am standing in the light of truth, then my life has the dignity of faithfulness, truth, loyalty to God. And that is the ultimate experience of joy. I thank you very much.